Economic crisis headlines are everywhere, but is doom and gloom the order of the day? Economic forecaster Bruce Tannis gives us his forecast and the financial market's influence on the firing of Tucker Carlson. And a 19-year-old was arrested in Michigan on an alleged mass shooting plot. Lieutenant Joseph Vangaro explains how this could be a case study in preventing mass shootings. And Father's Day, Juneteenth, and the Dobbs decision coincide for transformation. Evangelist Dr. Alveda King talks about that transformation and also the recent Pride picnic event at the White House. And do you know about the 65 Project, targeting attorneys that are fighting back against election fraud? Dr. Stephen Latulip and educator Karen Schoen talk about Soros's involvement and the plans of Alex Soros, the son, to take over the reins from his dad, George Soros. It's all next on Viewpoint this Sunday. the bias, the lies and deceit, and bring forth real talk from real people about real news, providing the out loud truth and capturing the essence of a new generation all in a fast-paced hour. This is Viewpoint This Sunday. Welcome to the weekend news magazine, Viewpoint This Sunday. It is Malcolm Aloud here. Well, it is a weekend to note on Father's Day. Happy Father's Day to not only myself, but to all the dads out there indeed. Where would we be without dads, huh? And we need more of them, and uh, for a lot of reasons. And uh, surely that's a focus here. We'll talk a little bit more about that in the program and some other very interesting topics a little bit later with Alveda King. Want to start off here? You've been hearing a lot about this diversity, equity stuff, and you know, you know the drill of what's been taking place there. But it's it's impacted corporate America in ways that I've been talking about on the daily broadcast. You've seen what's happened with uh, the demise, well, Disney, the fight there, Target, of course, the Bud Light, the transgender on the can, all of that, and of course the the whole pride thing up at the picnic up at the White House, which we'll talk about with Alvita a little bit here as well. Uh, so this whole thing about going woke, you know, what is it exactly? We'll dive a little bit into that in just moments here. But I want to start, friends, in the economy. And I want to start with uh, an interesting uh, several headlines, actually, that I've been seeing. And, of course, you always have to question, is it fear-based or what's behind these headlines, since there are so many of them? And let's start the broadcast. We'll do that with Bruce Tannis, joins me here. And um Bruce, uh, 40 years uh, working on Wall Street, uh, investment bankers as an advisor, consultant, economic forecaster, money manager. Uh, it's a great background, economics, finance, and political science. Uh, so, Bruce, this whole thing, let's dive right into, uh, you know, I'm still seeing things are being teed up. Economic experts, let me read you a few headlines here. And just these are all in the past week or so, and I've been talking about it on the daily broadcast. But this first one, again, the sources on all these are all questionable because that's all we have today in today's media world is sources that are questionable. Even the Wall Street Journal is questionable in today's standards. A business insider says stock market crash. Expert warns 15 percent drop ahead as recession nears. Now, 
At the same time, Barbara Corcoran of the Shark Tank uh, says she warns a bloodbath is coming for the real estate sector, she says. That was a piece in Fox Business. Uh, again, they're, they're all the same. Walmart has shuttered about 40 stores uh, since 21 and will close another 20 this year. Nordstrom will shut down 15 locations in 2023. CVS also announced in, that it will close 900 stores over three years. Hotel owners uh, started to write off San Francisco, says the Wall Street Journal, speaking about them. Warren Buffett gets gloomy, says America's incredible period is coming to an end. That was in money-wise, if it matters. And Elon Musk warns about a new housing crisis worldwide in the street. Wow, wow, wow. So there you go. There's a whole bunch of cross-section of headlines and stuff. And then the Atlantic says, to top all this up with a, with a cherry and whipped cream here, Bruce, uh, they say yeah. the next crisis will start with empty offices and buildings. Uh, so what do you take with all of that? Is scare tactics, fear-based, uh, fundamentally, are we flawed? What, what do you see on the horizon, sir? Well, Malcolm, thank you for that wonderful introduction. You know, it's interesting, all these different points, the there have been doom and gloom forecasts for stock market crashes as long as I've been in the industry, and that's been over 40 years. Um, I would like to start by saying that a broken clock is right twice a day. So, um, you know, sooner or later, if you keep saying the same thing, it's going to come true, but not because you forecasted it. It's just because eventually events move toward your uh, repetitive uh, forecast or prediction. I don't, um, I, I, interestingly enough, I was yesterday morning, I was with one of the top real estate developers in South Florida okay. and uh, talking to him and his business has doubled. Okay. Um, and he's building a lot of mixed use. I mean, all kinds of stuff, uh, residential, uh, commercial and so forth. Um, you know, he's a diverse builder. And he says business could be better. So, um, you know, I, I, I think it depends on what part of the country you're in. I think it depends on what market you're in. But um, let's talk about the stock market crash forecasts are a little concerning. Uh, you know, the stock market in the last, you know, since the lows in October, the stock market's up 21, what is it, 21.6%. Something like that mm -hmm. from the lows. I think things look pretty attractive, and we have all these people. <laughs> we we have all these people sitting in five percent money market funds and short term treasuries, mm -hmm. and they're watching the market. You know, and and they did so because of fear, of course, and they're watching the markets blow right past them. You know, so at some point, I think. Um, Fear turns into fear of missing out. Hmm. And uh, we could see some capitulation to the upside uh, back in these markets. You know, the last time we spoke, I, I, I told you that things looked uh, more attractive than unattractive. And that I thought that uh, that markets could actually have a, um, a rally based on these debt ceiling discussions and all this other conversations going on, even the geopolitical stuff. So uh, we've seen that people sitting on the sidelines. I think, I think they could, they could start to fear that they're missing out. Now they may come in at the top of the market, and we could be due for some kind of consolidation after that. That's right, right. possible. All but, right. yeah. but you know, with the market up 
just over 21.6% since the October lows. I mean, all right, well, let me ask you this. Historically, I I hear what you're saying. Uh, Interesting. When there is a calamity or something does transpire in our country, typically, historically, is I always see the story, Bruce. Typically, there's always an uprise before it happens. There's always a, uh, well, some would call it the calm before the storm. You're saying, well, maybe it's not the calm, but there's a bit of excitement or a bit of a a buy, a a spend, a, a burst, a pop, something, and then it's boom. Do you see that? Do you subscribe? Is I mean, is that a possibility that things are looking really, really good? But geez, or, or does that is that even a theory? Um, it's uh, if I look historically okay. since uh, since 1950, for right. example. Right. Okay, uh, when the market has been down 25 percent or worse, mm-hmm. in the following year, the market has had tremendously above average returns. So, um, so, you know, one year after the 61 peak, there was a trough in 62 market was up 31.2% after that, the following year, um, the average return after a trough, any kind of trough in the market, even the worst times in 72 and 82 and, uh, you know, Y2K and, uh, the credit crisis and the Russian ruble crisis and the Thai bot crisis and every other crisis, including COVID pandemic, um, the average return in the following year has been 21.6%. Things get overbought, they get frothy, they get overvalued. Even if there's no crisis, there's going to be some kind of consolidation. Right, right. right, Uh, right, right. You know, my philosophy, I stay pretty well invested. Um, I'm not, you know, I don't go from cash to invested to cash to invested. I don't jump around there. There's never been a market timer featured in the Forbes 400. All right. right, I want to ask you this now, in your opinion, briefly now, has the Fed, has the Federal Reserve with the interest rates, have they played this right in your opinion? That's a whole other question. I mean, well, it plays uh, to the factor of what we're talking about, though, because Many people sure. think that is part of the problem in the calm before the storm sort of thing because they have overplayed their hands, they think, and they well, should have not done. Go ahead. The thing about the Fed is they're doing it not for the reasons that they say they're doing it necessarily. I mean, okay. The, okay. the Fed had nowhere to move. They, we were at almost 0% interest rates. Right. They had they had no ammunition in case they needed to slow down the economy or stimulate the economy. And that's what they think that their job is, to slow or stimulate the economy. I would disagree with that, uh, but, but that's what they think their job is. So, um, so because they had nowhere to go, they had no ammunition, they had to raise interest rates. They had to unwind their, their balance sheet. They had bought so many things on their balance sheet, including, you know, corporate bonds. And, you know, I, I heard they were even buying equities at one point, but, um, but, uh, they unwind their balance sheet and they had to raise interest rates to give themselves some room in case they needed to lower interest rates in the future. So a, a period of raising um, is is probably them just giving themselves some room to lower later as the well. There's been talk about that. Obviously, they didn't move it this last go around, but now they're but they're also saying there probably will be more upticks before there are more downticks. Is what they're saying. Yeah, they're going to talk. Uh, they're going to talk that game to keep mm-hmm. things from getting too frothy. 
Um, whether they well, right now people can't afford they can't afford the interest on the houses. You're you're talking about another grand or two a month for in some cases, you know. Well, sure. I mean, housing prices are are pretty high, and that's the problem. Um, right. It's not so much the interest rates because when my dad bought his first house, he had a seven percent mortgage and he was just fine. But that's back when houses were between twenty and sixty thousand dollars each. Right. Right. You know, now they're. A million. Right? That doesn't pay for the doorknob today, brother. That doesn't so, pay right. for the doorknob, right? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So. All, right. all right. So, so you, you know, all right. Let me to bring this to a head here. Um, you know, I, I, I sort of like a bit of your message, and uh, you know, myself as an optimist, but being a realist as well, and watching all of this, uh, you, you, you are saying fear for fear's sake is a real problem. On the fact is, and I hear what you're saying, people can talk themselves into these sort of things. And, and I do believe there's some merit to that sort of thing. Uh, and they look at this sort of thing that maybe we're talking. In other words, you know, if you really believe in the power of the American people, if you believe in the power of ingenuity, you believe in the power of the, the best e economy the world has ever known. You could believe in the fact that and there are people around me who believe that, that the American people can do anything. And that we are very capable of avoiding that and that. But then again, we have the feds that have screwed things up pretty well. The deficits, uh, the money borrowing, the spending, the money that was poured in through COVID. All of these things didn't help our spirit out, Bruce. But in a nutshell, you're saying fear for fear's sake is wrong and that there's still a path forward. Right. Bottom line. Well, yeah. Now, um the other thing is, I mean, one concern is that I do expect earnings to be lower going forward, corporate earnings to be lower. And that's a concern. But we already saw the sell off from that last year. Okay. Remember, the market is a predictive mechanism. All right. The market is a predictive mechanism. So so corporate earnings could be lower going. Well, let me forward. jump in there. The corporate earnings could be lower, Bruce, because they're pissing everybody off is what they're doing. OK. Well, uh, and interest rates are higher and they have yeah. to rearrange. Their but when you lose billions of dollars, I mean, they're using they're losing tens and hundreds of billions of dollars. In the case of Disney, they, they lost a fortune. And then yeah. but all of them in Bev, uh, Anheuser-Busch, Target, Walmart, they're all losing based on their policies. I want to come back to that, Bruce. Stay right there. This is going to be really good because there's some other interesting points to this story that we'll share with Bruce Tannis in just a moment. I want to bring on another very big story I want to cover with you right now coming out of Michigan. Now, follow me on this, friends. Follow me. A teen was arrested after the FBI uncovered an alleged mass shooting plot. The, the, the particulars here are quite, uh, quite in your face. And I kept thinking about this story. On, you know, there's never a spotlight on stories like this, like there should be, because this would have been a catastrophe. What this team was planning to do that they uncovered and they they were able. This was a, this was a success story, a good story. But I kept thinking about it. And the only time our legacy media or the rest of the clowns cover these kinds of stories is when there's mayhem and murder. So if you have, you know, if you can, you know, have a bunch of stacked deaths up, then that's a story worth covering for them. Doesn't that really irritate the hell out of you? It does me. And I get annoyed with it. And this is a story that I've seen with a hope. If we could get some of this information out, it would be very positive to know that we could cut some of these mass shootings off at uh, at the path here. The, the, you know? So let's do that right now. Lieutenant Joseph Pangaro joins me. He's a retired police lieutenant, uh, security expert, author, host of Chasing Justice here on America Out Loud. Lieutenant Joe, let me get into a couple of particulars here and, and tell us what, what we've got here. So this Michigan teenager... 
Authorities say that he was expressing uh, neo-Nazi, anti-Semitic uh, ideologies online, and he was arrested just Friday here. Uh, it's a stockpiling of weapons. It was huge. He was planning a mass shooting on the U.S. Uh, state, uh, the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office, Western District of Michigan, uh, charged this 19-year-old with transmitting a communication containing a threat to injure others. But they found a whole host of weaponry, I mean, Nazi flags, gas masks, military snipers, survivor manuals, a cache of weapons, they're saying, was pretty ma massive in size and scope. And even references to the 2019 uh, Christchurch mass shooting in New Zealand. Let's talk about this, Lieutenant Joe, and uh, discuss what do, you, what do you make of this story uh, at this point, and uh, what can we learn from it? Well, Malcolm, uh, the reality is that there are people out there that, that hold... First of all, we could separate the killers into different groups. This guy seems like a specialized neo-Nazi kind of guy who held certain kind of beliefs. And then we have the the school shooters, the kid who comes to school and attacks attacks their school. Right. The reality about this story, and you're right, they don't report the good stuff. This happens uh, more times than we know where people will get word or get wind of somebody maybe going to do something. And if it's investigated properly... In many instances, whether it's a, a, a juvenile killer or an adult killer in the workplace, we can intervene in many of these cases. So one of the things, you know, I teach and train on all this kind of topic. Right. Well, what we find out is that we can train our school personnel uh, to do human threat assessments, right? Because the reality of these people, Malcolm, is they don't wake up on a Tuesday morning and decide, hey, I'm going to go shoot a church full of people, or I'm not going to go. I'm going to go to school Wednesday and kill all the people in my school. Right. These are these things are a buildup. They happen over time, and what people will do as they're building up, they will display uh, physical changes in what they're doing. Like one of the things I do a program uh, exactly on this on identifying potentially dangerous people, and we'll see that they change the clothes they're wearing because they're about to go on an attack. And how do we, what do we see on the news and TV and movies? When you go into attack, you wear military style gear. So if you look at a lot of these killers, they start wearing those things. They go on social media. They make threats. They say things. They make kill lists and people find them. And when I see the schools, they'll say, well, uh, this kid wrote a kill list. And we told him, you know, that's not appropriate thing to do, to, to write a thing like that. That's That makes people nervous. No, that should be fully investigated by the local police. You got to go to the kid's house. Find out, do they have access to weapons? What have they been doing? And then you, you find out information through all these channels that this person is potentially plotting to do something. Well, Joe, that's what they did here. Let me jump in and tell you here exactly. I want listeners to understand what you just said is, is very smart. It's exactly what they did here. They found a message in the notes app. They seen this stuff on Instagram. It was reported in back to what you say. And then uh, he was uh, targeting a uh, synagogue in East Lansing, uh, and there was a date, a list of equipment. I mean, all kinds of things. Very, very incriminating. Uh, obviously, this guy was just a matter of pulling it off, but he had all the pieces in play. So what you're saying, you know, here's what society is. is kind of weird, Joe, because, you know, some people like to wear that sort of equipment or they like camouflage look or they like something that sort of has that dark appearance and they're not necessarily guilty of anything other than having a bad attire. I mean, that happens sometimes, but it's a real fine line. And you say, if we look for the signs and the symbols, 
we're almost at a point today where we have to do that and call out our fellow man almost because a lot of these people are, we always talk about the signs after the fact. That's why I found this story so rich because we they were being talked about before he murdered innocent people. Usually it's after. They, oh, we should have done this. We should have done that. We didn't see this. We didn't see that. His girlfriend, his friends, his, you know, and it really annoys me. But you're saying if we look for these signs and you train people on this, we can actually prevent these like this one did us a perfect case of a study of this thing, right? It absolutely is. And it's like I said, it's not the first time. I think there were, in Michigan, like two years ago, there was a social media post and a couple of kids uh, had heard this kid saying scary things. They reported it to the police and they investigated properly. They went to his house and they found that he had amassed a bunch of weapons. He had written things down. He had made a kill list. He had decided how he was going to do it. He did a little bit of surveillance. He knew the comings and goings of the people he wanted to get. And yes, we can find this out. Now, how many times do you hear people say, you know, in the workplace, uh, you know, hey, you know, Bob says something scary and everybody says, right. well, that's just the way he is. No, we can't be like that anymore. If somebody makes a threat, we have to investigate yeah. what, what's the purpose here, what's going on, and we can prevent a lot of these incidents. I hate to say you're right. I really do because I believe in uh, the freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom of everything. But I hate to say you're right, but we're, we're at a different cu cultural point. And with the cultural rot of our nation, we almost have a duty to call out these uh, these uh, snowflakes and uh, whatever they plan to do next. Um, this is interesting. Uh, this whole case, Joe, I find fascinating uh, and how they pull this down. Now, let me ask you this. What does it take to be arrested? Like you just talked about the kill list, the this, the that, the other. So in like in this particular case, if there's enough evidence, I mean, as a police officer yourself and knowing all of this, I mean, you can be arrested for that. I mean, with the intent, but not the fact that you did it, but with the intent, that's also a crime, is it or isn't it? It depends on the state. Some state statutes allow for that. One of the things we look at here for an understanding is the the concept of a conspiracy. Right. I, so me, you and Bruce are having a conversation together at the local gin mill, having a cocktail. And Bruce says, hey, you know, that bank up the street, they, they get a <laughs> delivery of cash every Thursday. Let's go get that money uh, when they deliver. And, and you and I say, yeah, that's a good idea. And we laugh and joke and we go home. Now, we talked about committing a crime. We didn't actually commit a crime. But if Bruce says, OK, Joe, you go take pictures of the bank so we see when they come and go, Malcolm, you go down and find the schedule of the bank. I'll get the car and we take some actual physical steps towards doing the action. That's a conspiracy. That's that we've actually taken an action, not just words and thoughts. Yeah. So yeah. For people that do these things, if they start to make threats, like they said here in, in Michigan, apparently making a public threat to harm somebody can be, be a law. That could be a law. Then now someone has made that threat and you could charge them. What you do is you get that threat, you hear about it, and then you have to do your follow-up investigation. In this okay. case, they did it, and they found a cache of weapons, and it looks like he had a real plan. He was ready, yeah. He was he was down the road on this thing from everything I've studied and, and read in this case up here. So the, the, the three or four things that as people, you, you mentioned watching people's attire change. Um, okay, uh, what are the few things we might look for with our fellow man who might have, you know, be off his rocker a little bit, like the neighbor sometimes who all of a sudden things change rapidly and you sort of question, it really is a tricky sticking point now, Joe, because you don't know if you're just being a prude or trying to step into somebody's business or whether you really think somebody has intent to do harm. It's a really fine line, isn't it? It is. And one of the number one thing, you know, there there is no profile of an adult or juvenile shooter that attacks their school or their business or, or a mall. There's no profile, but there are traits. And the number one trait that we can find is that these people do not feel connected 
to the group that they attack. So a kid in school, uh, if the if the high school is, you know, the uh, the Bricktown Dragons and this kid does not feel like a dragon, he doesn't belong to the band, he's not in the sports arena, he's a kid who's kind of on his own, not necessarily bullied, he's just not connected. And now if this kid has some uh, other psychological problems, diagnosed or undiagnosed, it can lead him to amass this into hey, I can hurt these people because I feel left out and I'm in pain and whatever. Well, Bruce, I want to ask you, this is going to be a topic that both of you might have an opinion on, but listen to this here. University of Arkansas cut their diversity program and reassigns the personnel. I've seen the story just within the last many hours here, and I thought, all right, they're listening to me. <laughs> Because this past week, that's exactly what I said uh, over the past week or two, actually, to listeners. It's about time we fire all the diversity offices from all these major woke corporations. Fire them all. Get rid of them. Uh, it's, a, it's a suicide pact. And they're not helping shareholders out by any stretch of the imagination. But the University of Arkansas dissolved its division of diversity, equity, and inclusion. And they're spreading the resources around other departments. Uh, and the school is getting ahead of possible new rules surrounding diversity programs at public colleges. Corporate boards, so corporate America, Bruce, they have a fiduciary responsibility for shareholders. You have your board of directors. These diversity offices have gone, I mean, they are really deranged. And they've got all these programs and stuff in place and doing the craziest stuff, irritating 50 to 60% of their audience. Target, Coles, Bud Light, Anheuser-Busch, InBev, Disney. There are so many of these cats now. And they're losing a truckload of dollars. This thing is infiltrated into the media. What do you make of this? What's behind this exactly? Because it doesn't make a logic cap. It doesn't aspire to be capitalism. Well, here's an interesting point. And you brought up uh, the university structure. Uh, you know, this all started in our universities. You know, people are studying uh, sociology and public relations and journalism and so forth. And that those are mostly, you know, I don't think you'll find a single conservative in, in most of those departments teaching those courses. So they influence the students. And then what happens is, um, you know, these students, uh, uh, these leftist sociology and journalist majors and uh, even public relations majors from the major universities, you know, if they couldn't become corporate community organizers and they couldn't get a job at MSNBC or CNN or Facebook, they feed their way into the corporate structure and they wind up in the human resources department and public relations department. And then what happens is uh, as this stuff foments in our society and, you know, there are protests and riots and mm -hmm. right. coercion by these groups uh, of corporations, yeah. Yeah. Um, corporate CEOs are trying to navigate you know, the millennial wokeness and LGBTQ plus right. situation without being, you know, they don't want to be targeted by lawsuits and protests. So they go to the human resources and public relations department and they say, what do we do? Okay. And and here are all these leftist sociology and journalism majors and they're licking their chops saying, I know what to do. We know what to do. Yeah. Yeah. And and, you know, so. So you're seeing this across the corporate structure. You're seeing the university structure. A lot of these people are confused and they're looking to right. do these for the last hurrah to put these programs out there. But companies are struggling with, I mean, well, here's the thing. Here's the thing, Bruce. There's a pushback right now uh, from mom and dad and they're tired of this woke transgender uh, rainbow solidified conversation of that is very nonsensical to the average person. 
Um, and they just can't make sense of any of it anymore. And, there, and there's starting to be a pushback. Now, there's been notices right away. I've seen the human rights people come out and say, oh, my God, the LGBTQIA plus people are under attack. Uh, you can't even travel to the state of Florida anymore. And other states, I mean, there really is. This, they're trying to flip the script again. But really, this thing is out of control when it comes to corporate America. And the losses they're struggling, we're talking in the tens of billions of dollars. Tucker Carlson is a perfect case of what transpired there. And I want you to speak. I've only got a couple of moments, and I want to get Joe's opinion on this as well. So let's keep it tight. Uh, but you mentioned, uh, you and I were chatting, you mentioned BlackRock and some of these other mutual fund type companies that they sort of have their hands in the cookie jar. They're part, uh, and that's the question, because I'm seeing media. Are they driving some of this narrative in the case of well, what happened to got Tucker out of there or not? Well, there's a, you know, corporate wokeness, you're right, is a problem. And it, it's not, uh, corporate wokeness is bad economics, okay? And we're starting to see it now. Yeah, you think? Um, yeah, I think so. <laughs> There's been a lot of speculation recently on why Tucker was fired from from Fox. A lot of it surrounds uh, a lot of the the scuttlebutt fl floating around uh, surrounds BlackRock and other mutual fund companies ownerships yeah. of large blocks of public shares of Fox and News Corp and some of these other media yes. companies. Um, the theme has been echoed around the internet, uh, you know, implying that these guys have undue influence because they're big shareholders. Um, I, I don't think that that's quite the case, because, first of all, the majority of shares that they own are non-voting shares, so they can't really throw their weight around. Second of all, these big mutual funds um, are, the, you know, the shares of the their mutual funds, they're owned by mom and pop investors and people's retirement plans and millions and millions of people. Mm -hmm. OK, they're not they're not, you know, the, the, the stocks are not owned by the by the management of these mutual fund companies they are owned by individual investors that are all mutually owning right. shares of the fund. So you don't so, think they have much of a hand in here then you're saying bottom line, they might be able to say a word or two, uh, you know, At the sure water cooler. I mean, yeah, no, I'm sure that, you know, you can get yeah. they could get these CEOs yeah. of these other organizations to uh, pick up the phone. Stay right there, friends. More viewpoint in just a moment. The America Out Loud talk radio app is on Android or Apple. It's the perfect way to listen in to the new generation of talk shows and hosts who are ready to inform and inspire. World-class care from doctors you can trust, all from the comfort of your home. That is One Wellness. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed the One Wellness membership to provide free monthly supplements and unlimited telemedicine access with doctors that share your values. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first month of One Wellness. Whether you're an independent, a Democrat, or a Republican, one thing remains true. Airborne viruses love us equally. You've all heard Malcolm and the great Dr. Peter McCullough talk about the advanced nasal solution, Cofix RX. Cofix is made in the USA and recommended by thousands of doctors and pharmacists nationwide. Spray goodbye to colds and flus with a Cofix RX nasal solution cleanse. That's cofixrx.com. Save 20% by using promo code OUTLOUD at cofixrx.com. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. Well, it is uh, a great weekend. It is Father's Day. Uh, a lot of things happening in the month of June. Uh, and uh, we're going to start right in here with evangelist Alveda King joins me. Alveda is the founder of Speak for Life, fighting for the sanctity and the dignity of all life. 
from the womb to the tomb, she always says. She's the daughter of the late slain civil rights activist, Reverend A.D. King, and the niece of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Speakforlife.org. Alvita, this event, I want to start right in the White House on the South Lawn. It, this is a very controversial topic, and uh, but I really want to get your perspective on it. So the president hosted a Pride Month picnic. It was the largest Pride event ever held at the White House uh, to begin with, but there's a couple of controversies around this story. Number one, one of the controversies, as you might be aware, is the flag. The flag was in the center of being focused and not in the uh, United States flag was on the sides, but it was the center, which many people say broke the flag code and protocol of how you should display that. But the focus clearly was on the uh, transgender uh, gay uh, uh, deal there. Uh, the other thing was it got out of hand when uh, some of the transgender folks were removing their shirts and exposing themselves. It became a bit of a circus-like atmosphere. There were some other pretty outrageous comments made, but give us a scope on many people believe this was not the place or the forum for this. What is your take on this event, please? Malcolm, thank you for that question. We're going to talk right now out loud, Malcolm, with tender hearts. This is occurring in the weekend of Father's Day and then Juneteenth during the next few days and the reversal of Roe. So right in the middle of it, we come in with one of America's most controversial issues at the White House, where the president of the United States is supposed to represent the whole nation. And then we have something called a pride picnic or circus or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. So that implies to others who see it, oh, that's the way America is. Well, that's really not true, America. We have nothing in our hearts in anger or hatred against any people. We value one blood, one race, the human race, not even separate races. However, morality, dignity, uh, just sanity left the White House. Now, at the same time, you have, I believe those were transgenders, maybe, who had different uh, parts, body parts than they were born with, and they were displaying that openly and saying this was fabulous. But nobody's telling you about the transgender children who are now growing up who've had body parts cut off, and they're suffering, they're in pain, they're having blood clots and all kinds of different things from those transgender surgeries. And nobody wants to talk about their pain. No one wants to talk about their high suicide rates. They're not gay and happy and delighted. They're miserable. They're being hidden. Their voices are being quieted. But what's most disturbing is the president of the United States is standing right there in the center of it in America's house. That's not the White House only. It's supposed to be America's house. And it's just shocking. I've not spoken to anybody Mm -hmm. who thought that was okay from what we call the homosexual community, the uh, straight community or this community or that community, skin color, everybody of every ethnic group. I've not heard anybody say, oh, that's the most wonderful thing. I'm so proud to be an American because people are standing on the lawn half naked, shaking parts that don't even really belong to their bodies. Mm. Wow. On top of that, Alveda, uh, the most egregious statement made, and, and this is a tough one, but it's an important one, 
the president, these are his words. He said, we see who you are made in the image of God, speaking about the transgender and the gay community, deserving of dignity, respect and support, he added. Now, I want to say back to you, I found this statement so egregious and outrageous. Now, I'm fine with the dignity, respect and support. I have no issue with our fellow human beings, whatever they may do. And I think they've always done this. I don't think this is a new phenomenon. I think it's always been here in mankind, but it's a spotlight being put on these things to make it normal behavior. And it's confusing the young people and the young generations, which is wrong, wrong, wrong. But the president to say that this sort of thing was in the image of God, I just don't understand that. Let me try to help. I have a book, too. It all started with an apple. And it's over at alvedaking.com. It has its own page. It all started with an apple. And God said to me many years ago now, please tell the homosexual community that I didn't do this. I create all of you in my image. When you step away from my blueprint and my plan, you are disrespecting my love and my intent for you. So the people who have the strange body parts that they were not born with, that God did not do that. God created everyone in his image and likeness. And then we disrespect God and go worship bales and idols, chop off parts of our body that weren't there when we were born, all of those things. So, and and interestingly, I I do want people to try to do a, a study in the Holy Bible. Jesus in the New Testament says some are born eunuchs, some are made to be eunuchs, some choose to be eunuchs. So that means you could be raped or castrated or changed. You may be born into sin with some proclivities, but you're not created in the image and likeness of God with sin. God doesn't create sin. So we need to be very clear that when we go away from what God has created, we are disrespecting God. And God said he did not do that. That's very important. In the Old Testament, for instance, Daniel lived in the courts with the eunuchs. He was, as a slave boy, he shat, rap, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were abducted, they might have been castrated. And that was made to be. That was not by their choice. And so they said, let us not adapt your custom. Don't give us the aphrodisiacs in your wine. Don't change our hormones with your food. Don't do that. Even though this has happened, let us continue to worship our God. And Daniel, they were very clear to say we were not defiled. And they weren't defiled in their spirit, so they were abusing their body, especially if they had to, you know, if they had those surgeries. But they remained true to their God. God says, I do not create sin. I do not create high blood pressure or transgender surgeries or drug addiction. God is not creating that. When we leave the divine, beautiful plan of God, created in the image and likeness of God as males and females, we're disrespecting God, and it ends up in the pain that America is now experiencing. So you say it's no coincidence that the anniversaries of Father's Day, Juneteenth, and the overturn of Roe v. Wade coincide in the month of June, where peripherals collide, convergence is imminent. Admittedly, you say, America and indeed the world seem to be teetering on the brink of disaster in the midst of a June-filled season of anniversaries. Now, that spoke to me for multiple reasons. It's It picks up really well with what you just said, your earlier comments about uh, America and indeed the world seem to be teetering on the brink of disaster. It seems to be everywhere in our lives. Things are becoming unglued. People can feel it. There's a sense out there. 
people, I see a lot of folks believing we're coming to the end of the road here uh, pretty fast now, uh, looking in the rearview mirror. Take this forward of the importance of this weekend and the importance of these three events. I think a lot of people also are confused with Juneteenth. I'd like you to talk a little bit about that as well, Elvita. I want to say this. It's not too late, America. It's always There's always time to return to God. The answer is in to go to a loving God with repentance. And that is part, somebody says, well, I thought Juneteenth was only about Texas. We're 18 months after the Emancipation uh, Proclamation was signed by Lincoln in 1863. It took all those months for the people in Texas to find out they were free because there was no Twitter and Instagram and all that. Hmm. So it's not just about that. There's a whole pattern and a whole picture where peripherals collide. Convergence is imminent. We're seeing many truths come together. And the truth is setting us free. We're one blood, one human race. There never should have been slavery in America. It did end. But today, the baby's in the womb bringing in the Dobbs issue. Uh, there are still issues and problems. But the whole answer is still going to be in Christ with truth, speaking truth in love. So if anybody's upset, there is a shortage of uh, fatherhood in the home. Fathers have been driven out of the home by many things, many factors, many elements. And so we need intact families, intact lives. And the way to do that is to begin to repent. Ask God forgive us all of our sins. We argue over whether we should have reparations. I say we need jubilee. Money is man-made that you can reprint money. I don't care if anybody gets checks, really. Give, give checks, but let's care about human beings as human beings and fix the broken families, the broken lives, and the broken hearts. Yeah. Well, a lot of what we speak about, it's the infusion of politics. They take a lot of these stories, Alvita, and uh, put a stamp of evil on it. You say in your message, on the wings of awareness, there are solutions stirred by prayers of repentance, having been raised by God, fear, and patriarchs and matriarchs. So I think you're speaking here, and this is an important point to conclude on, is that, you know, in this fight of good and evil, I often reference, Alvita, evil has beset the world right now. It's coming at people from all different origins of life. But yet there are the people that are firmly planted understand the surroundings of what's taking place. And those are the God-fearing patriarchs and matriarchs you're talking about that are, are now raising up and they're not going to have and tolerate this sort of abuse of the trans stuff and the kids and the indoctrination and all the machinations of these. Uh, well, you know what it is, Alvita, and I've been speaking about this a lot on my daily broadcast. It's the cultural rot of America. And it right. smells badly. What do you say about all that? Let's open our hearts to a fresh wind from heaven. Let us repent. Let us return to God. And I'd like to remind people, visit alvitaking.com. We've got a new song out now, the Nia song, The Purpose. Our purpose is to begin to repent, come back to God, love each other, and let's see some healing. Well, uh, you can, can you give us a, a piece of that now? Okay, say, every day we wake up, we've got to live out our Nia. Every day we wake up, we've got to live out our Nia. Our purpose is to glorify God in the earth, to love each other, to repent and to reconcile. Let's get that done. Yeah, amen. 
Uh, in closing, um, let's end with this message you put, Elvita, so well in the message. As we embrace the blessings of Father's Day, Juneteenth, and the Dobbs decision, our goal as believers is to cherish all life in every stage, from the unborn baby to the vulnerable mother, to the elderly and infirm and all humanity. When we live this truth in our lives fully, we can then be said to be a culture as the one blood human race that values all its children from the womb to the tomb into eternity. That message Amen. is such an important <laughs> message. Yeah, I, it's, I had to get that in the broadcast here. Uh, your, um, you know, you have a way to bring these conversations full circle. And what I really applaud about the message always, Elvita, is you bring it back to what matters most instead of all the distractions in our news cycle. So for that, I absolutely applaud you and uh, celebrate uh, your message. Thank you for joining me here on Viewpoint this Sunday, always. Thank you. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers. Friends, we want to take a quick pause and we'll join you just on the other side. A very interesting program coming up uh, on Alex Soros, George's son, taking over the reins. Stay right there. More Viewpoint in just a moment. Here we take on the challenges of our generation so that we can preserve future generations. AmericaOutloud.com, seven amazing years. We know that if America fails, the world will fail. It is incumbent upon us to carry the torch for liberty. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free, love it, or your money back, guaranteed. HealthyCell.com, code out loud. Millions of Americans are needlessly suffering from the long-haul effects of the toxic spike protein. Dr. Peter McCullough and his team at The Wellness Company designed their spike support formula to counteract harmful spike protein from COVID-19 and vaccines so you can feel your best. Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Welcome back to Viewpoint this Sunday. It is Malcolm Allout and a big happy Father's Day to all the dads out there. It is a, it is a weekend to uh, celebrate uh, fatherhood uh, and we've been doing that on the broadcast here. Uh, so the father, George Soros, who you all know the name, it's one of the most recognizable names on the planet. Uh, his son now, Alex Soros, is uh, taking over the reins. Uh, $25 billion empire plus, plus, plus and he will now have the control. He says he's a hundred times worse than his dad. Uh, he says he's very politically minded. He wants to get involved in all of these campaigns in our country. Of course, then you've got the bad DAs and the cities and that's that funding all of that. And then you ask why and what's going on with this family? Well, we're gonna talk about that next friends. And I wanna bring on the broadcast here. Uh, Karen Schoen joins us on the program. Uh, she's a Patriot talk radio host. Uh, she's a, a, a journalist, advocate, and host of the Prism of America's Education right here on America Out Loud Talk Radio. Dr. Stephen Latulip is here. 
And he is host of Unity Without Compromise. And he's, of course, a medical doctor. He's a uh, ordained minister, uh, military officer, uh, and uh, one of my heroes, uh, for sure. Uh, so let's start off right here, guys, and talk about this sorrow story. And, um, and, to, and to ramp this up a little bit for everybody to understand, we have a bigger broadcast we're going to be doing, I'll tell you about in just a moment here, but uh, on this story on Monday on The Voice of a Nation. But I, but I want to start with the 65 Project. Now, this is very interesting. This is being funded by the Soros family. To give you an idea of how bad this is, uh, they have a group, uh, and I'm looking at their Twitter feed right now, hold them accountable. It's a bipartisan and again, bipartisan means just means rhinos and, and jackasses, basically is what that means, people. That's that's always what that means. It's a bipartisan effort to hold accountable lawyers who engage in fraudulent abuse of the legal system to overturn election results and fuel insurrection. This was geared towards uh, Donald Trump, of course, and the entire 2020 election. They're now going after Carrie Lake. Uh, I see a tweet right here on their feed. It's now time for the bar associations to take action on our complaints. So they're doing all the complaints and putting things out there. And uh, so, uh, Dr. Steve Latour, let me ask you about this story here. So tell us about the 65 Project. A lot of people don't even know about this. How bad is it and uh, Soros' involvement? Well, the 65 Project uh, mission, uh, Malcolm, is to destroy the attorneys who would dare to step up and fight for honest and fair elections. The left does not want another election in our country. We know that. They want a global world order, world government. They And, and to push this agenda forward, they must destroy America and specifically our American freedom. And they're doing it. And they're doing it exactly with programs like this which is why we had all that controversy in the last election uh, in 2020 and some of it in 2022 as well. Uh, the main thing is uh, foreign interference in our elections. Karen, why should these groups like the Soros even, I mean, they fund a lot of money. I mean, I understand it's it's a, it's a free world, but uh, why should we allow outside influences into our election? Isn't that part of the problem here? I was just going to say we shouldn't. <laughs> Because that is part, that is the problem. We shouldn't have the money in our elections, and we certainly shouldn't have foreigners or foreign influence in our elections. And that's why we do not have free and fair elections. And um, AI has been proven that they can hack any any machine that is connected to the internet in any way, shape, or form. They can change anything. So the only way I believe we'll have a fair election is if we do paper ballots and forget the machine. You know, a lot of people are saying that. You know, another voice who says that all the time to me every time she's on the broadcast here, Sydney Powell, she absolutely believes in that as well. Go back to paper ballots, the good, the good old days of the hanging chad, you know, Karen? Yes. Uh, and, uh, and go that, not exactly, but the point is paper ballots, people believe, is the way forward because the internet is very, very corrupt. All right. Let's cut right to the story here for time here. And the Open Society Foundations now is the name of this organization that George Soros has been uh, using to um, menacely uh, put himself in all kinds of powerful positions uh, around the world here. Um, Dr. Tulip, Steve, how bad is this Open Society Foundations and what do we do about it here? Well, this uh, organization is determined to... Uh, to really bring forth the one world government and they everything they do 
you can say fits into one category, and that is un-American, anti-American. In fact, they are aggressive. They uh, invest an awful lot of uh, money, billions of dollars into destroying American society so that uh, the nation, uh, the great American empire will see its last days. The Constitution will be forever shelved and it will be trampled under their feet. And then they will be able to proceed with the one world government, meaning control us all and make sure that we have no say in any decisions in our life. Now, this Open Society Foundations is, uh, uh, as its reference, is a one world government is what they're looking for. And hence the name. Think about this, everybody. Open Society. Open Society. They're, they're looking for that sort of global. So you, you said it interestingly there uh, a second ago that got me thinking, because I haven't heard a phrase that way, but everything that's anti-American. Now, that makes good sense when you look at all the programs and the checklist of things they're involved in and the, the crimeless law and order society they're advocating for with corrupt DAs putting crime, releasing the prisoners. And this is like a futuristic movie from hell and a bad world gone bad. Uh, Mad Max uh, thriller. Uh, times 100, uh, Steve, you know? Oh, it is. It, it's actually uh, the rise to power of evil. I mean, this is a, a battle between good and evil. And so obviously, when we say anti-American, really what we're talking about is what we formerly were as a nation, and that was one nation under God. And now, it, even in the words of Alex Soros, he uh, would like to declare us to, you know, he said to Nancy Pelosi, in Nancy, we trust. And that pretty much says everything. They want to elevate themselves to being in place of God and control us, have yeah. no borders, so that we are one organization under the thumb of the, the one world tyrants. All right. A lot of people out there on the uh, Democrat side of the equation, uh, Karen, more leftism, progressivism are the words I prefer to use because there's still out a lot of good Democrats and the left of center uh, and certainly independents and moderates that need to be come back into an America first agenda, uh, putting the nation first and putting God almighty first in the program. Uh, so let's remind ourselves of that always. But that leftism, progressivism, I, I, as I've stated to listeners many times, is a disease. Uh, it, it truly is. And uh, so uh, making more Americans aware of this disease, this problem, when you look at the fact that they support the, the Soros, Alex, the son, has just met with the uh, Biden administration in the White House uh, more, about 17 times, I understand, and a whole bunch more within Chuck Schumer and all the others in that group. You mentioned Pelosi a moment ago. The attraction of the leftists in our country to this sort of a group seems to be pretty obvious. But how do we get more people aware of this concern, this problem? Because a lot of people still don't see this. They think Pelosi is a is a political princess and not exactly what we're portraying here. Well, we really need a concerted effort to go after the fence sitters, which, of course, we don't have. We're busy talking to our own group. Uh, we're preaching to the choir. But shows like this need to be shared with as many people as possible. Uh, I always like the idea of get five. Um, take the show, share it with five people, get them to share it with five people. Uh, this is the only way that 
we are going to get anywhere is through education. And then we have to apply that education, which is the other thing that we don't do, because knowledge is nothing if you don't apply it. What good is it if you're the only one that knows about it? Um, we have to really pinpoint and determine who is the enemy and what do they want. And they want everything we own. And it's hard for people to grasp that. They continually call them Americans. They're not Americans. These people are globalists. They could give a rat's crap about America. Uh, talk about America, bring down America. Well, they'll go move to uh, one of their other houses that they have someplace else in the world. So America is irrelevant to them. People are irrelevant to them. People are to be used by them. Um, that's all they care about. They are not interested in promoting the good of anything. They are interested in money, power and control. And that's all they care about. Right. And until we come to terms with that, yeah. and we can recognize that, then who are we fighting? What is who is our enemy? Right. Yes, people right. who is our enemy, and they'll give you Russia. No, Russia is not our enemy. Or China. Our enemy are the globalists that are trying to destroy us. They right. are the former Americans. They're not Americans anymore. They have given that up for the almighty dollar, which I guess will now be gold. And, and I thought you were almost going to see the, say the almighty Satan there is what it is, and uh, which, which is a big part of this story here. A couple of footnotes here, friends, to dive into here as you hear the voices of uh, Karen Schoen there and Dr. Stephen LaTulip. Now, uh, we have a special broadcast, which is playing Monday on The Voice of a Nation at 8 p.m. Eastern Time at Malcolm at 8. And uh, that is, uh, you'll hear the voices there of Karen Schoen and Dr. Stephen Latula, who are well-spoken there, but Wallace Garneau is there, or Natanakin. Uh, it's quite a program. It's entitled, Alex Soros Says He's Coming, and Hell's Coming With Him. Okay, that's the name of that program right there on Monday. Uh, I like Karen's concept of tell five people. Tell five people, share this with five people, bring five people also with you on Monday. Will you please? I think five is a good number. And let's just keep bringing five and sharing five and bringing five and sharing five, right? Let's just do it. Bring five, share five. And uh, let's just keep doing that, everybody, and multiply. Bring all good people into the tent of life, into a, a life of goodness. Um, and uh, this, uh, where America shines again, is what we're asking you. There's an interesting op-ed uh, that you must read on uh, America Out Loud uh, as you listen to the broadcast here Sunday morning, friends. It's from Dr. Stephen Latula. It's uh, titled... Alex Soros vows to open with the gates of hell. Alex Soros vows to open wide the gates of hell. Okay, exactly that. Alex Soros vows, vows to open wide the gates of hell. That is right there at AmericaOutloud.com. Take a, a look at that, please, as well. Listen, we're on the front lines. You'll see all the stories, the content, the articles, the news. Uh, there's so much happening back on the platform. Uh, take a look at it at, uh, at America Out Loud. And uh, thank you for joining me here on the mission. We'll see you on Monday. It's time to get involved and get loud, America. <laughs>